0: I want to go to the book of Psalm chapter 118 this morning. Psalm chapter 118. And Psalm 118 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. You may not have known that. But I've heard some people refer to psalms as the soul's medicine cabinet. And I think that's true. Because this morning I want to bring hopefully through God's word, a little bit of medicine to our souls this morning. And I'm going to say, as I said, I'm not bringing anything new or anything profound, but I do want to stir up your minds by way of remembrance this morning. And as you're turning there to Psalm 118, there's a modern day proverb that says this, be where your feet are which is another way of simply saying for us to live in the present. And let me illustrate this by a story. It said there was a story of a young girl who went off to college. And she hated it, and she told herself, if I can ever get out of college and get married and have children, I know I'll be able to finally enjoy life. So she stuck with it went to classes, finally graduated from college, then she got married and had children. And that's when she discovered that marriage and children are a lot of hard work. So she told herself, if I can just raise these kids and get them out of the house, I'll finally be able to relax and enjoy life. About the time her kids were getting ready to graduate and go off to college, Her husband had told her, honey, we don't really have enough money on one income to send our kids to college. We really need another source of income. It would be good if you could get a job, and she really didn't want to get a job, but she knew they needed the money, and so she went to work, and just like college, she hated it. She told herself, if I can just get these kids out of college and get all these bills paid, then I can finally quit and really enjoy life. Finally, the last kid graduated from college, she had all the bills paid, and So she went to her employer's office and said, I quit. And they said to her, you can't quit now if you just work another eight years. You're going to have a pension for life. And you'll really be able to enjoy life. So she agreed and she worked another eight years. After she worked another eight years, she finally retired. They sold their home and they bought a smaller house. The story goes that her and her husband sat on the front porch of the swing and then they reminisced about the good old days. How can we be where our feet are? How can we live in the present moment? See, salvation is not just something We experience way off in the future, another time, another place. Jesus saves us so that we could have life now and have it more abundantly. And I want us to look at one verse this morning, verse 24 in Psalms 118. And I want to see what the psalmist says about us living in the moment, living where our feet are this morning. The psalmist says this, we all have heard this verse many a times. He says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us, or I will, rejoice and be glad in it this is the day the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it now how do we live that out how do we make that come to pass I believe if you break this verse down there's a few things here that we can see to help us to be where our feet are to live in the present moment the first thing that we would re- we see in this is a simple thing. In the first four words, he says, this is the day. In other words, if you are going to live in the moment, you have got to first and foremost, is what I would say, you've got to concentrate on this day. Okay? You've got to concentrate on this. This day, see it's easy for us to get distracted and lose focus on this day And I'm gonna say this many of us and I would say probably a lot of us in here today We're in one of two places mentally right now, okay? Many of us are either weighed down or focused on something in our past This morning or we are either preoccupied or focused on something in the future. We're either stuck in the past or we're worried about the future. And many people can't live in today because they are stuck in their past. Let me say this. Every single one of us in here, we all have regrets, we all have remorse of things in our past that we all say, I wish I would not have done it this way. I wish I would have done it that way. We all have regrets. When we looked at Nehemiah earlier this year and went through that book, if you remember in chapter eight after the walls had been rebuilt, the people had gathered together for a solemn assembly. And the scribes began to read from the book of the law that they had found about everything that the people were supposed to be doing. And the Bible says in that as they were reading from God's word about all the things they were should have been doing and were supposed to be doing, the people realized, I have not been doing what God's word had said. And so the people began to weep right then in that service. And Nehemiah 8 and 10 says this, go and celebrate, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. Listen, for This day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, Nehemiah was saying to those people, Listen, you can't do anything about the past. Why get stuck in it? And so the people, even though they were in the presence of God, they were weeping and mourning because they were focus on something in their past. And There's a lot of people here this morning. You're stuck on something in your past. I wish I would have raised the children a little bit different this way. I wish I would have took that job. I wish I would have moved there instead of here. And if we're not careful, we get stuck in our past and we can't concentrate on this day God has given us. David, in his life, there was a time when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba became pregnant And because of David's adultery God had said the child is not going to live. Now if you look at 2 Samuel 12 19 we pick up the story here where David begins to fast he begins to pray that God would heal his child. Well After a certain amount of time of fasting and praying, the Bible says when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived, he understood that the child was dead. So David said to his servant, is the child dead? And they said, yes, he's dead. Then verse 20 says, so David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself changed his clothes, and he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when, when, and when he had requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then we pick up verse 21, says this, Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you've done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child is, has died, you arose and you begin to eat food. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept for the Lord. For I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. And then he says, verse 23, but now that he has died, why should I fast? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. In other words, what David said, listen, it's over. It's done. I can't bring him back. And so what David did is he changed his clothes. He washed himself. He went to the house of the Lord and began to worship God. And we need to realize you can't change your past. Now, God can forgive your past. But you can't undo it. What's done has been done. The Apostle Paul would say in Philippians 3.13, he would say, I am forgetting those things which are behind. Do you think the Apostle Paul had some bad memories of his past? I was talking to somebody this week and then we were talking about the thorn in the flesh and they was like, what, what do you think Paul's thorn in the flesh was? I said, I, I really don't know and I'm glad we don't know. But I do know this, that Paul says that a messenger from Satan buffeted him. I would just imagine this. I would imagine every time Paul got up to preach, teach, that there was a message in his mind that says, How can you preach to these people when you have killed people for following Christ in your life? And every time he got up, it was probably that message that buffeted him that was bringing up stuff in his past that was trying to tarnish his joy, that was trying to discourage him from continuing going, And we need to realize this. Yesterday's gone. You can't do anything about it. But the psalmist says, this right now is the day the Lord has made. This day God has given us is something that he has made. And then there's other people that they are so worried about something in the future. They're so worried about something in the future. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 27, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Then verse 34, he says this, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things itself. He says it's own trouble. In other words... Jesus says it is senseless, it is useless for you to be preoccupied with something that may never happen. I think it was Mark Twain that said, I've suffered a great many catastrophes in my life. Most of them never happened. Do you realize this? Listen, most of us, if we be honest, Our life has not turned out the way we thought it was going to be. It just hasn't. Very little of what we have planned has come to pass. And so what we need to do every single day, if we're going to live in the moment, is we've got to concentrate on this day. That God has given us see you are not promised tomorrow and so what you've got to do is live this day this is the day the Lord has made and listen to what he says so not only should we concentrate on this day we should also concentrate this day what does he say he says this is the day Who has made it? He says, this is the day the Lord has made. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, it's just not my day? Well, let me give you a newsflash. No day is your day. It's not your day. You didn't make it. God is the one that made this day. And since God made this day, I should use this day to glorify god first corinthians 10 31 the apostle paul says whatever you eat drink or whatever you do do all for the glory of god if you're going to eat today guess what Do it to the glory of God. If you're going to go out and go fishing this evening, guess what? Do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do today, do it for God's glory because this is a day He has made. Paul was saying in Colossians 3 and 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Verse Chapter 3, verse 23, same book says this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. Paul would say to the church at Corinth, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you are not your own? You have been bought with a price; Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so we got to concentrate on this day. We should concentrate every day and say, this is a day God has given me. I want to live it for him. It's his day. It's not your day. It's not your day. It's his day. And so you live for his glory. You do everything for his glory, not your own glory. When you come to church, it's not your service, it's his service. And if anybody asks you, did you have a good service? The correct answer is, I don't know, ask God. Because it's not what you got out of it, it's what he got out of it. You understand that? This is the day the Lord has made. So you've got to concentrate, concentrate on the day. You've got to consecrate this day and give this day to the Lord. And everything that you do, you do it for God's glory. The third thing I would say is this. You've got to consummate the day. Okay? In other words, you've heard this phrase before that he or she is a consummate professional or they are a consummate artist, a consummate musician. What does that mean, consummate? It means this. It means there is somebody that has achieved something, they've accomplished something. Do you realize that time is the most important, probably, non-renewable resource we have? You cannot get back time. Once time is gone, it's gone. The psalmist would say in Psalms 90 and 12, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Help us to realize just how short our life really is. Psalms 39, I'm gonna read this from the New Living Translation. He says in verse 4 through 7, he says, Lord... Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows in all our busy, rushing ends and nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? He says, my only hope is in you. And so we got to realize God has given us a certain amount of time. And so you need to make the most of what? God has given you. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, he says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not not as unwise men, but as wise. Then verse 16 he says, Making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The King James Version says like this. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, that, that's kind of, a, 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 of an unusual statement because you redeeming means to buy back. You can't buy back time. You can't buy it back. But what he's saying there is, you've got to make the most of what God has given you. Listen, life is not a dress rehearsal. Okay? If you've ever been in a play or program, you know they have a dress rehearsal. And if you flub your lines in a dress rehearsal, it doesn't matter. Because you get a chance to do it again when, it's, when it counts. But your life is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get a mulligan. You don't. You got one shot at raising those kids. One shot. You got one shot at training them in the ways of the Lord. One shot. You don't get to go back and redo it. One shot. And so Paul says that you gotta make the most of what time you've been given. You ever, I don't know how it is with your family, but it is like this with mine, and I'm guilty. I'm probably the first one in the altar this morning, but. When you have a family reunion, most people are doing this right here at the family reunion. Right? They're not talking to one another. They're too busy scrolling on their phones. And they're missing the most important thing Of the whole event you got one shot at this one shot at this that's the reason why you can't afford to say well I'll start later on you're not even promised later on not even promised later on do you realize how fast time is slipping away from us. I heard a conversation before church. I won't say who they were to protect the guilty, but they were asking, one was asked how old you are. I heard somebody say I'm 76, wouldn't me. But I'm here to tell you. Oh I'll be there soon. Good Lord willing. You just blink. And you're 50. You just blink. And you're 60. Time is slipping away. From us. And we need to. Concentrate on today. We need to consecrate today for the Lord. We need to make the most of today. And then the last thing he says is we should celebrate the day. Look what he says. He says this, in other words, Concentrate on this day the Lord has made. Consecrate this day because God is the one that made it. The psalmist says, I will rejoice and be glad in it. He doesn't say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will dread it. He doesn't say, this is a day I'm going to just plow through it. He said, no, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. 1 Chronicles 16, 31 says this, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let men say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The reason why we celebrate each day is because the Lord reigns. Psalms 97 1 says, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of be glad thereof. We are not to grow pessimistic about the day in which we live in. Why? Because our God reigns. Understand that. And Listen, I'm not up here trying to uh, tiptoe through the tulips. I understand that there are some days that are better than Others, There are some days that are easier than others. But less what? Let, let, let's ask this. What will we do with that day? Will we let that day rob us of our joy? Will we let it ro- rob us of rejoicing? Or will we say, no, this is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice today and be glad in it. Now, Psalms 34 and 1. David says it like this. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now let's stop there for a second. How does rejoicing begin? It begins with the will. Okay. It begins with a wheel. It's not some. See, here's what we do. Okay, we want to feel it before we do it. Right. In other words, if you will sing that song I like, I'm going to clap my hands. That is not the proper way to worship. Because worship will cost you something. Okay? So what David said is this, regardless of what my feelings are telling me, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will raise my hands. I will sing. It's not because I necessarily always feel it when I raise my hands. I, I don't. I promise you, I don't always feel it. I don't always feel like raising my hands. I don't always feel like singing. But I also don't feel like cleaning house either. I don't feel like making my bed either. You don't feel like going to work most of the times, but you know what you do? You get up, you go anyway. Why? Because you're a mature adult and you realize that what you do is more important than what you feel. And the same with your marriage. People say, well, when I feel it again, I will will start being nice. No. You start doing the things you're supposed to do. Because David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. In verse 2, look what he says here. He says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. In other words, praise begins with a decision. And then once you make the decision, then that soul begins to fill it. You understand that? He says, so praise starts with a decision. Then it flows through the emotions and then going to verse 3 and 4, he says this Oh, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, you realize that praise not only starts with a decision, it goes to your emotions, but then it affects other people. We said it this morning. One person gets excited. Other people start getting in on that action. Now, why didn't you start it? Well, you didn't feel it. But once somebody else started it, you felt it. Again, I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just saying that if we would make the decision every day when we get up, instead of complaining, Instead of moaning and groaning, if we would get up and just say, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Habakkuk said it like this in Habakkuk 3, 17. He said, though the fig tree should not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, Though the yield of the olive shall fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle. That's pretty bad. I mean, that is doomed to spare agony on me. But look what he says here. Yet I will exalt In the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk says, no, it's it's going bad. Everything's against me, but you know what I've decided to do? I'm still going to rejoice in my God. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I'm going to say rejoice. Now listen, he's not writing this from a condo in the Caribbean. He's writing it from a dungeon, not knowing whether or not they're about to come knock on his door and say, Off with your head, Paul. And even in that dungeon, he says, Rejoice. 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 Now, how can he rejoice? Because his rejoicing was not in the dungeon. It was in the Lord. And when the Lord is a source of your joy, you will always have joy. Understand that. If your joy is in the stock market, if your joy is in a football team, you're not going to always have joy. But if your joy is in the Lord and he doesn't change, you will always have joy. Now, let, 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 me, let, me, let me wrap this up for, so, for just a minute. Now, Jesus modeled this at the end of his earthly ministry. Let me show this to you. In Mark 14, verse 26, which Mark records the final hours before Jesus goes to the cross, the Bible says this, that after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now that's an interesting word there, him, because I don't think you find it any other place in the New Testament. Okay? That word him is the word hymnio, which refers to the great halial, which is found in Psalms 113 through Psalms 118, okay? And so when he says that they sang a hymn, he is saying that Jesus and his disciples, before Jesus goes to the cross, right before he is betrayed, they are singing Psalms 113 through Psalms one eighteen. Let me give you some verses of that hymn. Psalms 113 and 3 says this, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalms 115 and 18 says this, But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Psalms 117 and 1 says this, Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, all you people. And you got to realize this Jesus was about to go to the cross, he was about to suffer a criminal's dead. He was about to take my sin, my punishment, my shame. He was an innocent man, the sinless son son of God, and he was about to go to the cross, and what was Jesus saying? What was he singing? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And if Jesus could sing that and say it and live it, why can't we wake up every single day of our life and say, this is the day God has made I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it that's what you call living in the moment that's what you call living where your feet are realizing the past is gone you can't do anything about it Jesus Christ can redeem you from it he can cleanse you from it he can forgive you from it the future may not even be here for you But God has given us this day, September 10th, 2023. And it's a day that God has made. It's a day God has allowed me to breathe. The breath I have in my lungs this morning were given to me by God. If I woke up this morning, and I may have snap, crackled, and popped out of bed, but guess what? It's still the Lord's day. And if Paul can say rejoice in the Lord always, then guess what? While I'm sitting on these padded pews in this air conditioner building, not worried about somebody coming in and burning the place down, why can't I come to God's house and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Don't it just make you feel better when you praise the Lord than when you mope around? Don't it? They tell me it takes more muscles to frown. Well, there's some people, man, they got the strongest face in the whole world. <laughs> As a child of God, listen, as, you, as you're just coming in playing, Peter says it like this. I don't have this up there, but just follow me. He says, be prepared to give every man a reason for your hope. When is the last time somebody has stopped you in hides and said, what you so hopeful about? Or have they said, I don't know what they own, but I'm going down the next aisle. A child of God has a living hope. And determine every single day of your life that I'm going to concentrate. Now listen, again, I'm not telling you to live for today, because there's a lot of people that's just simply living for today. I'm saying live in today, and there's a difference, because people that are living for today, they don't realize they got a judgment coming up on them. I'm saying live in today, knowing that it's a precious gift that God has given us. And when you do that, life will smell a lot better. The dog's barker sound sweeter. Why? Because you realize how blessed you really are to live with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on.